Welcome to Pensive Series. Josh Tatrick is the co-founder and CEO of Hampton Creek, a San Francisco food startup that is going to make it easier for millions of people to eat better. Bill Gates selected his company as one of the three companies that will shape the future of food. He has led a United Nations business initiative in Kenya and worked for former President Bill Clinton. As a Fulbright scholar, he taught children in Nigeria and South Africa. He is also a graduate of Cornell and the University of Michigan Law. He's an entrepreneur that not only thinks big, but also has the stamina and power to transform his vision into reality. And plus, he's a cool guy. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you will too. What factors would you say were the most important in getting you uh, where you are today? I think probably, I, I think a big part of it was my, in my whole life I was obsessed with sports. So I had like all this energy for sports. Uh, especially football, just like all this kinetic, obsessive, aggressive energy. Um, and I needed something to do with it. And when I was younger, it was it was in football and, and other sports. And you need somewhere to place all that energy. So like just having, having a ton of energy is a big part of it because I needed somewhere to throw it. And, and I decided to throw it in this. So that was, that's a big thing. I think second is probably... Um, You know, I think most of the the way that people think about whether growing a company or having an impact or you know what they can do um, is is often wrong, and we just kind of live by these rules that are just made up by society when we can do things a lot a lot differently and, and do them a lot better. So I think kind of having that mindset has also been been really helpful, and that. I think without energy, it doesn't work, and without that mindset, it doesn't work either. What thing do you attribute to getting things done? I think the biggest thing is I have a, a little alert on my phone. My team knows about it. They make fun of me uh, because I have it. It says, this, this is going to sound pretty morbid, but it's just the way it is. It says, prepare to die. <laughs> it sounds so morbid saying without context, but I'll give you context. It's um, I, was, um, I was diagnosed a handful of years ago with something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and like a fancy word, a fancy term for um, like I have a, a thickened area of my heart and some people have actually passed away from it. It's actually the leading cause of death among young athletes under 35. And when I was diagnosed with that, I was scared, and, you know, life is fleeting. So, you know, it's a little reminder to me that, you know, it's, You gotta, you gotta be able to win the day, and you gotta be able to to maximize the moment. And lots of people talk about things, but if you're, if you care a lot uh, about, you know, having an impact, and you don't think maybe you have a lot of time left on the planet, um, it's a pretty big accelerator to getting a lot of things done. That's that's probably first. Second is, um, I usually try to keep like three or four of the most important things because there's so much to do and just really focus on like three or four of the mega things that if we get them done, if I get them done, will actually make a difference and not just look like it's making a difference or actually make a difference. So I think the combination of the, again, even though it sounds morbid, the prepare to die mindset and the, kind of the focus on three or four things instead of a ton of things helps. Yeah. Um,
So when you, when you sort of start a revolution like you do with Hampton Creek, um, how do you deal with sort of the incumbents of the status quo or those people sort of who resist, you know, changing the status quo? Well, you know, we've, you know, we've been, I think we've been, like, I've had two big surprises, like, related to that question. One is, you know, so many of the world's biggest companies have decided to do stuff with this, you know, so whether Walmart or Target or Costco or General Mills or Compass Group, the biggest food service company in the world, they're all our partners. So... You know, they're very much, you know, mega players in the food industry, and they decide to partner with us. So that's been, and it's happened quicker than I thought. And then on the other side, you know, you've got, you know, some companies, you know, Unilever filed a lawsuit against us, and we've had a recent uh, issue with the uh, United States Department of Agriculture's American Egg Board. Um, and I think it's both, I think there's a, there's a way to approach things where you, you're not a rebel every time, right? Like we can't just like exist being like a rebel. We have to exist. We're like, we partner where it makes a lot of sense with these big companies. And then sometimes when, you know, whether it's Unilever or the American egg board, when, you know, there's a, you know, an action maybe against us, um, we're, we're pretty good about having an awesome community that usually rises up and says, what the hell's going on here? Um, and we don't mind fighting a little bit when that stuff happens. And um, and do you, did you have a strategy for winning over these big companies and bringing them on your side? Yeah, yeah. I th you know, I think I think it honestly starts with like what the point is. Like my my point in starting him Creek and our point isn't to you know screw big companies. Like that's not the point. The point is to have an, to use food. And the changing food system is a means to have an impact in people's lives. Like that's that's the point of it. So if you focus on like what you want, um, you realize that these big companies can actually help a lot. I mean, because of their scale, because of their distribution infrastructure, because of their capital. Um, so that's like a, an important frame. And then second, in terms of interacting with them, it's to realize that you know whether you're talking about you know Walmart or you know, again, Compass Group, the big food service company, even though they're massive entities, right, like made up of hundreds of thousands of people, like in the end, you're working with like 30, right? Like you're working with 30 people. Yeah. And those 30 people are not, you know, a board desk. They're not, you know, an annual report. They're not, you know, bios. Like they're individuals that live across the country or across the world who, you know, have daughters and have fears and who want to better their lives and who more often than I think people would think believe in something, um, believe that they can have a positive impact in their jobs. And I think it's been like recognizing that those people exist and figuring out ways to partner with them because they, they end up caring a lot. And when you're when you're working at one of these major companies and you have the ability to influence things and you actually give a damn, that's a powerful combination. And we've been lucky enough to find a lot of people like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so like, if you could have dinner with anyone in history, who would you choose? You know what? I'd probably say like a young, like Nelson Mandela. Okay. Like right before he went, Nelson Mandela right before he went to jail. But he went to he went to jail and spent like 30 years 
uh, in a prison on Robben Island. I used to live in South Africa, and his book, A Long Walk to Freedom, had a big impact uh, in my life. So I'd say like a younger Mandela, and I'd, you know, I'd talk, I think having, having a dinner with him would give you like the best sense of perspective and sense of like commitment to a higher cause than I think hanging out with anyone could ever. Your other experience that you had before Hampton Greek, how, how have they like, sort of prepared you for your journey now? A lot. I mean, everything from, I mean, my obsession with sports, even though it didn't work out for me, my whole dream was to play the NFL, and even though it didn't work out for me, like energy, it taught me like energy is a really important thing. You can, you can throw an enormous amount of energy into something, and that energy, even if it doesn't work out in that something, like it didn't for me in sports, you can take that energy and almost shift it into something else. You can just redirect it into something else. So that was my obsession with sports ended up being really good because I learned when you, you just can apply a lot of energy to something and then the world ends up moving a little bit for you. Um, and then probably my, I spent a bunch of years in sub-Saharan Africa working with United Nations Development Program and, and trying to help kids get off the street and into school in, in South Africa and, and working on investment law reform in Liberia. And I ended up uh, getting pretty frustrated by um, a lot of nonprofits and international institutions when I was there. And it, it made me um, frustrated that, you know, there's so many urgent needs out there from, you know, kids not having enough to eat or, um, Mom's drinking dirty water. Um, that if you're not if you're not you know approaching them with urgency, then it's a problem. And like not doing enough when I was there, I think has kind of informed how we think about things now. Which is to say, you know, we think business can do a lot of bad things in the world, but it can also do a lot of good things if applied properly. And it's also sort of given me an urgency about solving some of these things because I don't think I did a lot when I was there. And if you could offer your younger self advice, what kind of advice would you, would that be? Mm, I would probably say, I'd probably say most of the advice <laughs> that people are going to give you for the next, like, if I was giving my, let's say I was giving my like 15 year old self advice, I'd say, because uh, I'm 35 right now, this is exactly 20 years ago, I'd say, most of the advice that people are going to give you in the next 20 years will be wrong. Um, it's going to be wrong because that advice is mostly given from a framework of like the current reality. And if you want something different with your life, whether it's in sports or whether it's in, in something, you know, much more important than that, you've got to find the people out there and there are not a lot of them that are unhinged from the current reality. And whether that means reading a long walk to freedom by Nelson Mandela Or it means, you know, having a deeper relationship with that science teacher, Jeff Smith, who gets it more than most. Find those people that are not just trying to go along to get along and listen to them. Um, because most of what you want to accomplish has nothing to do with the existing rules of the game. Because you can do things faster and, and have uh, much more of an impact when you almost pretend like those rules don't exist. And then what, what is the best advice you ever received? Um, Mark Benioff, who is uh, our investor, um, told me 
we were having a conversation about going fast, about just going really fast as a company. And he said, we're, and we're talking about strategy and we're talking about, you know, whether we should make this move or make that move. And he said, you know, you've got to, you've got to follow, follow your energy and like focus on what you want. And it sounds simple in a way, like articulating it now to you, but, you know, following the energy and focusing on, you know, what I want is, is a way of saying, you know, you can be extraordinarily audacious about like the things you can accomplish. Um, and you don't have to be so constrained by the way that most of the world thinks about things. Um, and you can, if you just focus, you know, on what you actually want and what I want is, you know, to use this thing as a, as a means to have much more of an impact. Um, and you follow that energy, like no matter what, follow that energy, good day, follow the energy, bad day, follow the energy, um, you know, slow quarter, follow the energy, good quarter, follow the energy, keep following that. Um, and usually things end up working out. That's probably the, the thing that sticks with me the most. And so when, when things didn't work out, you know, as you planned, how did you sort of get out of that? I mean, really, I mean, things, I mean, the nature of, I mean, the nature of life, certainly the nature of a startup, but the nature of life is you're always, every day is not going to be a perfect day, but every day you can focus on winning it. Right. And there's, um, for me, focusing on why I started this in the first place, it's similar to like focusing on like wanting to play in the NFL. You could have a bad practice or you could have a bad day at work. Um, and it doesn't have to inform what the next day is. So I think just focusing on, um, you know, getting back to work and fixing stuff, throwing your energy towards something that matters, that's the easiest way to get over anything. And then what is the most important question to answer before starting a startup? I think it's, what do you think the world really needs? What do you think the world really needs? And I'll like a little background on that. I think, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of, you know, a lot of really smart people, kids, older folks end up, you know, they end up starting companies that aren't actually pointed in a way that's actually solving real problems. And there's so many real, not concocted problems, but real problems, whether in the United States with homeless or homelessness or depression or, or healthcare or income inequality or around the world water and sanitation or hunger or the livelihoods of farmers or climate change. I mean, there's so many real things, real needs. I think, you know, there, and there's so much opportunity to start things around solving those needs. So it would be, you know, what do you think the world really needs? And then figure out a way to point your strengths towards starting something that actually solves that. And I think if more people did that, um, you know, Okay. It's easier to feel a, a sense of personal significance and, and hopefully it, it makes things a little bit better too. So what is success for you? Success for me is feeling like I'm throwing all of my energy towards trying to have as much of a positive impact as I can every day. And then ultimately, you know, looking back and realizing that because the energy that, that I put into this, that my team put into this, we didn't just have... Um, a pretend impact, but we had an impact that, you know, actually um, made things a little bit better for, for people, for the planet, for animals, for, 
um, farmers, um, it's, it's that sort of significance. Um, that's, that would be a real impact for me. And do you have any rituals, any like daily rituals that keep you effective? Yeah. Um, well, I get that little alert that goes off, prepare to die at 7 a.m. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a little ritual. <laughs> like, <laughs> just seeing that and, again, kind of just recognizing every day is fleeting and wanting to maximize that day. Uh, going to the park every weekend with Jake the dog is definitely a ritual that clears my head. Um, and let's see, those are probably the only two of any significance. And so, like, you're, you know, your, your company is moving so fast, you're meeting so many people. Like, how do you make sure that you sort of select the people, the right people to work with and just generally how do you build relationships, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And there, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that can be, that can be uh, hard to sort through sometimes. Um, I think it's a combination of we've gotten better about bringing on lots of people on my team that can also build relationships. So it's not just me building relationships, but, but lots of other people too. So that's been a, that's been a big part of it. And then also, You know, I, I I think I've gotten better about about you know spending time with people who really get us and get what the point is. And I meaning it's very easy to I think it's very easy to lose perspective sometimes. And there are a few people out there, they're not, not a lot of them, but there are a few people out there that, you know, are not, not one to hang out with, you know, you or the company because they want something necessarily, but, but realize that, you know, they want significance in their lives too. And they want to have an impact and they happen to be like brilliant in one area or another. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think the older I get, the more, The more I do this with Hampton Creek, I've been able to kind of filter through and, and see who those people are. Um, and those people can be in politics. Those people can not be, they can be in business. They can be in finance. They can be in art or music. And there aren't a lot of them, but um, I just think it's a combination of like seeing, you know, seeing, seeing what they stand for and, and what they care about and, and trying to spend more time with those folks as opposed to others. So like now, you know, when you, when you talk, I can really hear how you have this mission and you really care about this and, you know, and sort of everything is sort of aligned. Um, but I, w I would be curious to know, how did you get to this sort of like alignment of purpose and like, you know, okay, this is yeah. the one thing I have to do and, you know, oh, I, I put my energy into this uh, because, you know, there's so many things yeah. you can always do. There's so many different ideas everyone has, um, sort of how you discriminate ideas and focus on like, you know, on the one mission that you have now. Yeah, I mean, a lot came from, you know, me, when I spent time in Africa, I went there because I was, I was really passionate about childhood education. And I, I initially went there to work on something called the Convention on the Rights of the Child, which is a human rights convention that focuses on kids. And I was specifically focused on a provision um, called the right to education. So and I'm still really passionate about um, childhood education, especially in the developing world. And I think the more that I was in Africa, the more that I became frustrated with nonprofits. That was a, that was like a piece of it, like a frustration uh, around nonprofits and them not moving fast enough. And then the more that I was in Africa and kind of remembered how I grew up, the more that I saw that food was connected to lots of other things. So, you know, I, I was just I was just observing 
food is connected to climate, food is connected to the livelihoods of farmers, food is connected to, you know, kids being malnourished. And it was, it was interesting because it was intersecting so many things. And then the more I dug into food, the more I realized that, you know, there's quite a bit, there's quite a bit of innovation left in water or energy, but there's not a lot of innovation and a different approach when it comes to food. So I think it was a combination of it. Uh, just digging into it and being aware of how interconnected it is to so many different things. And then also realizing, you know, there's not a lot of competition out there either. There's just not a lot of people doing things uh, to use food as a, a platform to actually have an impact. And, you know, if I yeah. want to build a business that's successful too. So the fact that there's not a lot of people doing it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, is there is there any book that you uh, are likely to give out as a gift to friends or other people? Yeah, I love. Uh, there's a book called either I would give I'd give to either A Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. That's one of my favorites. And there's another book called The Switch about making change when change is hard. It's written by um, two guys, Chip and Dan Heath, uh, professors at Stanford, and it talks about it talks about change movements and what sort of the common elements, the larger change movements, whether in uh, whether in the environment or social policy, like what are the common elements to getting societies and groups to change when it's really difficult? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, long walk to freedom or, or switch. How, how do you how do you plan your work on a like weekly basis or how do you reflect and, you know, incorporate feedback and make sure that you sort of um, improve, you know, your work? Well, we're pretty open, you know, at Hampton Creek. I mean, we're, we've, we've gotten pretty good about saying exactly what's on our mind. And we really encourage, you know, people to say when something's working and when something's not. So it ends up being pretty real-time feedback. So that's a healthy part of it. Um, and then just, it's just part of, I think, uh, when I'm getting up in the morning, just trying to think, you know, how am I going to really win today? Um, it just ends up being... You know, I, I probably think some of the things I screwed up yesterday and how I, how I get it fixed today. Thank you for listening and see you next time.